Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode. Catherine is still on maternity leave and getting lots of baby snuggles, and I can't wait to get to Colorado to snuggle Miss um, Harper as well. But this week, I am joined with, with Clay. Um, he is the host of the Working Cow podcast. So before we dive into our conversation, I'll just let Clay introduce himself. And thanks, Clay, for joining me this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for the opportunity, and uh, congratulations to Catherine and her family on the on the new baby. <laughs> so, I guess uh, as far as introduction goes, um, I am um, second generation. Um, my parents started their ranch from from nothing in the '80s, and I always like to point out that they're heroes in that regard. <laughs> um, you know, they they were willing to work, basically work. Uh, the jobs in town and everything it took to get started. And, um, and so I guess that's part of my story uh, is that that meant that a lot of our weekends were spent with cows and I resented the cows because of that. So I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't that kid that you hear about or that I see a lot of where I'm at in Western South Dakota that has been all in on the ranch, on the cows since day one. Um, I, I wasn't that kid. And so it took me going away to Bible school and living in Milwaukee for two years and to kind of recognize the, the beauty of what we have here on the, on the great plains and to kind of get that into my blood. So it wasn't until I was probably in my early twenties that I really, uh, started to choose to be involved on the ranch. I'm, I moved out of my parents' house shortly after I graduated Bible school. Uh, my wife and I got married at 20. I was 20. I just turned 22. She hadn't turned 21 yet when we got married. And so, um, you know, got, got started young. And then I started to be involved selectively. I always say I would go calve my dad's heifers. I would, uh, you know, sleep on their couch while they, while the heifers were calving. I would uh, show up for brandings. I'd show up on days where there was a big move that needed to be made or, or shipping days or, or whatever in the fall. And so um, it kind of started to get in my blood more and more. And um, yeah, I guess when, when things started to transition for me as my town job started to change, I started to work a couple of days a week for my dad. And uh, at the start of that process, he, he said, you know, you should go to a ranching continuing education course. And I went to the High Plains Ranch Practicum, which was taught by Dallas Mount, Aaron Berger, and Blake Hopman. Uh, Dallas and Blake were at that time employed by University of Wyoming Extension. Um, Aaron Berger is still with University of Nebraska Extension. And uh, Dallas has gone on to take over ranch management consultants. They put on the Ranching for Profit School. And during the course of that class, Dallas said somebody should start a podcast. And so uh, I was like, well, I've got experience with recording equipment. I've been around cows my whole life. I kind of, I think I can ask a semi-intelligent question about cows. So uh, the rest is just finding a network of people to interview. And so, yeah, that's kind of how the podcast got started. And I've been doing it, um, try to get an, an episode out every week for the last four years and, uh, or three and a half years, I guess, at this point, four years in November. So yeah, it's been a good journey. 
Well, I have to say congrats on making it to four years because we're we're hitting, I think, close to two years. And it's it's a feat to get an episode out every week. And there are seasons I know for us that we're we there's topic after topic and we're excited. And then there's lulls and, and family and life happens. So congratulations on making it that far and, and being so successful with that. What kind of episodes do you typically like to air? Who do you interview? What's your kind of bread and butter, I guess. I know it changes a little bit based off of hot topics or, or year to year, but yeah, I do try to do fairly evergreen topics. So even if we're, we're taking stuff out of the headlines, we're, we're examining it from a a more principle principles based perspective rather than these are the facts of the headlines. Let's talk about the ideas behind uh, what motivated these people to make these decisions that led to this set of circumstances. And so I guess the tagline for the podcast is providing producers a platform to discuss and share paradigm challenging practices. So um, I want to interview producers that's, you know, 95% probably, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I'd have to do the math. I've only (laughs) done a few, a few solo episodes. But um, I, I like to interview producers. Uh, I like to interview people who are actually making the decisions on their farm and ranch uh, that change, you know, the bottom line for their family. And paradigm challenging uh, practices are, are the focus. And so we talk about things kind of outside the box of the norm, um, you know, as far as like just ex- for example, recent episodes, we ta- I talked to a guy from Wyoming about raising your own bulls. What, what, is it, what does it take to start uh, selecting the right genetics just out of your own cow herd and, and some of those things? So um, we've talked a lot about grazing practices. We've talked a lot about uh, fence and water development. We've talked a lot about economic analysis. I think maybe the biggest paradigm challenging practice that we can we can talk about in agriculture is uh, managing people well, um, because as Dallas Mount is fond of saying, most of us don't get into farming and ranching because we enjoy working with people. <laughs> we get into <laughs> yeah. farming and ranching because uh, there aren't a lot of people uh, to to deal with, you know, at least compared to maybe uh, an office setting or a cubicle setting. Um, whereas Brian Alexander calls it uh, the the file cabinets for people, uh, the 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 big <laughs> office buildings in the cities and in the cubicles, they're just file cabinets for people. You know, it's. Um, we don't get into farming and ranching because we enjoy those settings. We get into it, you know, for quite the opposite reason, reason, but then lo and behold, we show up in our farms and our ranches and we realize, Oh, this is a people business too. And if I'm not managing people, well, uh, it's going to be, it's going to make this a lot harder. Well, and I think too, you know, from, from my parents' experience in the ranching industry too, it's those long-term relationships that you make over the years that you may not realize later down the road, how they can impact you or who's buying your cattle or who you're buying bulls from, or who you need to drop cattle off or fix a flat tire in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think, I think that's really cool to bring the, the human aspect back to the ranching along with some of those technical aspects of it all. What has been, I guess, one of your favorite or most interesting um, episodes you've recorded in the last few years? 
Yeah, uh, there's a lot. Um, I think I, I, I quite, a, quite often go back to a couple of different ones. Um, you know, one of them early on episode eight, I interviewed uh, a guy named Fernando Falamir and he was talking about, you know, we're, we're growing too much grass on six inches of rain. We've, 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 because of the way we've uh, changed our grazing. Now we need more cows on in the desert of Mexico. And then uh, another one, I think it was maybe episode 49 um, with uh, Daniel Suarez. He's also in Mexico, but he's in Southern Mexico uh, where the, what they call the dry tropics where they get 60 inches of rain a year. And, and just the, you know, the juxtaposition in just a few hundred miles from, from, uh, northern Mexico to southern Mexico, and and the, just the uniqueness of that. I also entered a, interviewed a guy uh, from from China. His name was Alex, or we we called him Alex because it was easier for my American mouth to to pronounce. <laughs> um, but he he is in China, and he is also in a place where they get sixty some odd inches of rain a year. And and just talking to him about you know just that and and it's just interesting to talk to people from from totally different backgrounds totally different uh you know uh parts of the world and stuff and and i guess the only the only continent where people and and livestock live together that i haven't interviewed somebody from is south america and it's just mostly from a lack of time to pursue somebody to to interview there's opportunities out there i'm sure but um so it's it that's been fun just to get that that really global flavor uh and interviewing people uh from from all over the world from all all different backgrounds and all different walks of life and and just get their perspective on on how can we more uh, profitably help our cows into interface with the land oh that's that's refreshing and i guess for me you know trying it's a it's a balance life's a balance working cows and ring is a balance too. Are you, how much has your operation, I guess, changed or been influenced because you've started this podcast? Um, I, I, I don't know that I can think of a, a portion of my business that hasn't changed because of it. Now, full disclosure, um, I have a job as a church, uh, as a pastor of a little uh, country church here in Western South Dakota. Uh, if you're ever driving past on Highway 212 between Newell and Faith, South Dakota on a Sunday morning, stop in and, and worship with us. Uh, or or if, if you see a vehicle parked out front, it's probably me here. So uh, stop in and have a cup of coffee. But um, yeah, it's it. So that pays my bills, you know, full disclosure. But we when we when we made the transition to move out here and to start pastoring this church, um, I we always like my wife and I always like to own our own home. I, I think it shows a commitment to the community that we're we're not just here for a short time. We're here to invest in this community and to be a part of it. And so we bought a, a little piece of land by Western South Dakota standards, and um, we run we run a few of our own cows and some sheep. And then we bring in uh, other people's cows during the growing season. And so, I mean, that whole business model really is influenced by what I've learned in the last three and a half years of doing this podcast, what I've learned through the continuing education opportunities that it has opened up 
uh, grazing schools with Jim Garish, marketing schools with Wally Olson, uh, the, the ranching for profit school, you know, all those opportunities have been opened up because of this podcast. And, and so they've shaped the way I think. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, well, I'm, I'm generally a purist. Uh, so, so I, I appreciate my wife, Miranda, she balances me in a lot of those ways when I, when I fly off the handle and I say, let's sell all the cows and only run other people's cows. Cause that business is similar, simpler. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess that goes back to just another thing, you know, um, Bud Williams, I think is the one who popularized the, the, the saying, uh, love your grass and hate your cows. And I think a lot of times we get ourselves in a bind in this industry because we, we love our, we love our cows and we forget that the, the, what's holding our cows up is healthy grasslands. And uh, so it, that's a, that's a tough one to get past because cows are cool and they're fun and, and it's easy to get emotionally attached to every one of them, no matter how many you have. Well, and it's, I mean, anytime you have to sell or liquidate or, or shift a practice, it's always, there's an emotional tie, there's a financial tie and there's business decisions. Um, your money makers, you always think, I guess, are the cows, but you have to have the food and the, the succession planning for the cows, even whether it's the soil or the grass, um, to back it up. And I think that's cool to start seeing some of those conversations because, we have more resources. We have more, you know, opportunities to learn and, and question. And maybe there's, we're doing some things, right. Maybe we're going to shift some things, but it's, I think just the ability to learn and grow and adapt is, is really great. How, um, I guess, how long have you been pastoring the church where you're at and, um, how does that play into, you know, ranching and so forth as well? Yeah, I've been here um, responsible. I always say it this way. I've been here responsible to make sure that somebody was standing behind that pulpit for two and a half years. <laughs> so, um, I, they voted to bring me in as pastor in October and they had developed a pretty tight relationship with a few different guys who filled the pulpit in the, in the two years that they were without a pastor. And so I think that year, so it was October of 2019, I think maybe it was 2018, 2018, October, 2018, when they voted to bring me in. And so they had developed a tight relationship with the guys who were filling the pulpit in the two years they were without a pastor. And, and so they let some of those guys come in for one last time. And so I ended up preaching three of the messages around Christmas in December. And then starting January one of um, 2019, I think I was here. I was preaching every every uh sunday basically or or finding a replacement and yeah so that's that's been that's been how long i've been there uh, as far as um you know i think church church world is obviously a people business too and so uh that's that's kind of a a place a boots on the ground uh perspective uh, or, or place where I try to put a lot of the people management stuff I learned from my podcast in, into practice and, and, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm taking care of those relationships and not, not letting things, uh, fester or not letting, not letting, um, you know, maybe hurts or, or disappointments in relationships get out of hand, you know, just, just 
deal with it, deal with it right away and, and talk to people and have face-to-face conversations as often as possible. Another thing, um, when you, when you go through the ranching for profit school, you, you will develop a vision and, and a mission for your church. Well, if, if I turn the camera, you could see on the back of my door here in my office at the church that there's a, a, a mission and vision statement hanging there for our worship ministry here at the church. And so that was something I learned at the school and I brought back to the church and, and we brought in a facilitator and we developed uh, a mission and vision statement for the worship ministry. And, and I think, you know, some, someday down the line, we'll do that for more and more pieces of the church. But, um, you know, that's kind of the most people intensive part of the, the church and so trying to keep trying to get everybody on the same page and make sure that we're all we're all uh, ascribing to the same vision and moving in the same direction, uh, I thought was a, an important piece. And so that was that's just one way, I guess, that the, the podcast has influenced the the church uh, ministry work that I do. So before I came here, I was uh, I think I was 12 years at a church. So I'm coming up on 15 years in December. It'd be 15 years um, in full-time ministry. So um, with your mission and vision, I love that. Cause I'm, I grew up with, you know, mom made us sit down at you know, the first of every year and write goals and have, mm-hmm. have goals. And almost like I had to almost step back and be like, you can let life happen a little bit, but having everybody, you know, striving at least for a common goal and keeping everybody on the same page. What, what advice do you have for listeners or other people on how to create those mission and vision and maybe give an example of your church or um, what your, your operation has done to um, create that mission and vision? Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of sticky notes. Um, I, uh, I think probably for the last 10 years, every one of my sermons has started out on a sticky note, um, you know, as an outline on a sticky note and then it, it grows from there. And, and so, um, I, I think that sticky notes or, or, um, you know, three by five cards are a powerful tool to just kind of get everybody in the room and start collecting some of the things that you want to be a part of your, uh, of your mission and vision and let everybody write down, you know, um, three to five topics, uh, on, on cards, three to five words per card, right? Big enough. So everybody in the room can read it if it's put up on the wall and kind of just work through that process. I think that's actually the first step of what they call an ICA process. And I've tried to Google that and find where that came from, but I wasn't very successful with that. But it, anyways, that, that process of letting people write down, these are, these are the things that matter to me. And then putting it all up on the wall and kind of grouping them into categories and making sentences out of each one of those statements. Um, you kind of just get the whole team involved and you kind of see like, well, we've already got some shared values here. We, everybody's had input and we didn't talk to each other beforehand, but look at this, this, this common theme is developing here. And so that's kind of, we're seeing the ethos of this team that we have here and we're going to put that into our mission and vision statement. So I can, I think, I, yeah, I can read you uh, the mission and vision statement we came up with here at the church, just as an example of what one sounds like. Worship at Prairie Home Church will be God honoring, initiated by scripture with theologically sound, 
songs including scripture, hymns, and praises using biblical expressions of worship that includes tools and posture outlined in scripture passionately involving the whole congregation that will draw the hearts of all generations, including an intentionally communicated schedule for skillful leaders and skillfully trained musicians. So when we made that, one of the guys that helped us make it was a guy who's been through Ranching for Profit. His name's Bart Carmichael. He sells bulls here in Western South Dakota uh, with Wedge Tent Angus Ranch. He came over and helped us work through the process. And, and he kind of told us uh, when we did our process, we put we set aside half a day to do this. And I gave him like an hour and a half to lead us through that process. And he said, this that you have here isn't your finished product. It's a first draft. So he said, I would recommend getting together again and, and tweaking this and, and making it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more concise or, or whatever. So, uh, but that's just an example of what one would sound like. And, and I've heard other people's with their farms and ranches and, and we, we, we wrote one up, my wife and I did when we went through ranching for profit, but I didn't, uh, I, I couldn't, I don't have it memorized. I don't have it. I don't have it hung up in my office at the church anywhere. So I, I uh, yeah, uh, we'd have to, we'd have to come back to that. <laughs> no, I think that's, I love that. And it's just giving me ideas, even, um, with my team here at the office, you know, to get, to just spark some motivation and keep making sure that we're all continuing to strive for similar goals and that we're all on the same page and have some, have some passion behind what, what we do on a day-to-day basis, whatever field it may be, whether it's ranching, agriculture, farming, or maybe banking or anything like that. Um, so I think that's great words of wisdom. Um, kind of maybe shifting a little gears. You seem like you're you're doing a lot. You've got your ranching operation. Um, you're a father, you're a husband, um, you're a pastor, your podcast host. How do you balance all that? You know, and that's one question I ask a lot of my listeners because I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how to, how to balance my own life. So I'm chalking up a lot of notes to, to figure out what works for me, but what's your, what's, what do you try to do? To be honest, uh, not always well, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think that, you know, one of the, one of the tools that I've heard um, is as an illustration is there's rather than looking, um, looking at our life as a pie chart um, and having, having a church pie and a home pie and a, and a, and a family pie and, you know, all these different in a podcast pie or whatever, um, that we maybe should look at it more as a wagon wheel and in, and Jesus is the hub. He's the center of that wheel. And then there, there's spokes coming out from that. And there's a spoke that's on the ground right now. There's a spoke that's touching the ground right now. For me, it's the podcast spoke is touching the ground. And so I try to be present and here and prepared for the podcast spoke. And then when I get home in an hour or so, uh, I want to be present at home and I want to be doing my home stuff. And then when I'm out working with the cows, I want to be present there, you know, um, just focusing on the spoke that's touching the ground um, rather than a hierarchy of, you know, Jesus, church, family, uh, work, whatever. It's Jesus owns it all. He's the center of the hub. And then the spokes that whenever one is touching the ground, that's the one I'm focused on. So when I'm, when I'm home with my kids, I'm not a podcaster. Um, when I'm with my wife, I'm 
not a pastor, <laughs> uh, which is, yeah, a, a, a temptation, right? You you want to, you, you got to switch that off and be, be a husband. And so uh, I think focusing on the thing that you're doing right now and doing it well and doing it in a way that um, is meaningful to the person you're with um, rather than just what feels good for you is probably uh, the best, the best approach. Um, yeah. Rather than doing it in a way that, that just comes natural or, or letting yourself slip back into uh, pastor mode or, or whatever. Um, and, and missing out on that opportunity to really connect with your wife or your, your children um, doing it in a way that you are, you're connecting with them in a way where they feel like, you're here with me, you're connecting with me, and this is meaningful. Now, all the other spokes, while they're important, they're not as important as the one touching the ground right now. And it's okay to turn off the pastor or the podcast or the cows or whatever for even if it's for a couple hours. And I, oh man, that's a great reminder to me because I try to do for me, I try to do everything at once, or I want to answer the phone because somebody's calling now, and then I need to go make sure the wheel lines are running. And then I need to, you know, somebody else needs something, but to be able to, and you have to switch it, you know, sometimes it rocks back and forth, but I think that's a, that's a great reminder. And I think a great way to leave the episode, um, where can listeners find you and what, um, platforms, I guess, are your podcasts on. Uh, ranchingpodcast.com is where I send people when I'm on a podcast, I want to give them a memorable URL that will drop you into the, the entire library of every episode I've released is right there all on one page. So, uh, sometime today, I, Lord willing, I'll get episode 201 out. And, uh, so those I'm, I'm kind of working on a series right now of interviewing people from my neighborhood who have, you know, who are in their eighties and nineties. And, and talking to them about the changes they've seen in agriculture and, and just the history of this part of the world. And so um, that's, that's been really fun to go and sit down at their kitchen tables and take my recording equipment with me and say, how did your family get here? <laughs> you yeah. know, because some of these guys that I'm going to be interviewing, their family came here on a horse, you know, in the, in the early 1900s or in the late 1800s even. And so just and capturing that history from people, you know, he remembers his grandpa who rode here from Iowa on horse, you know, and, and so capturing some of that history is fun, but yeah. And as far as platforms, I'm, I, I try to be on as all of them I can, but it seems like there's a new one every week. So, you know, Spotify, iTunes, um, Stitcher, you know, uh, there, it, there, it's everywhere. I think, it, I think it's everywhere, but there's probably, I don't, I don't <laughs> upload, I don't upload episodes to SoundCloud, but it, it's, it's in most of the other places. So, uh, but ranchingpodcast.com and, and there's uh, all the way at the bottom of that page, there's a, a bunch of links to subscribe. So you can find it there. Perfect. Well, and we'll tag, we'll tag you in our social media posts when this airs, as well as um, link it in our show notes as well. Um, listeners, we thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or if you have questions or podcast episodes, you'd like to listen to, you can also email us at talk to us at millennial until next week. We are millennial ag. Mm-hmm.